Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events business by growing your business around live events. Whether you're running small meetups or conferences, trade shows, and concerts, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use immediately. Uh, In terms of what I've been up to, I'm just back from San Francisco. I recorded the last episode. From there, I was across for the Google Next conference, which is a huge 40,000-person event. Good experience, but kind of, you know, San Francisco is a long way to go from Prague for four days, so it was was a bit tiring, but it it was a a great experience. Uh, Now I'm back in Prague, only for four days. We're heading to the mountains to get maybe a little bit of snow, is that the, the place we stay in Raris, um, the ski resort is closed now, but there's Kitschsteinhorn close by, which has a glacier, so there's pretty much year-round skiing and snowboarding. So a little bit of skiing, a little bit of mountaineering, playing playing with the baby. So really looking forward to the Easter weekend down in Austria. In terms of what I've been up to with Events Frame, we've been interviewing for a sales and marketing co-founder. So we've been hiring someone to come onto our team to really help us push the sales and marketing. And we're just in the middle of that process now. I've actually, before, I'm, before I recorded this, I interviewed a bunch of people and I'm talking to some more tomorrow. So spoken to some really cool people and, and hopefully been making a decision soon on that. Just as a reminder, EventsFrame is a software system I'm CEO of and a co-developer. It's a ticketing system. If you run any kind of events, whether it's meetups, conferences, it's super cheap pricing. It's got integration with your PayPal or your Stripe or your, your Braintree. It integrates with any email marketing system you could use, whether it's MailChimp, Aweber, Infusionsoft, everything. Really good integrations and just a really simple way to sell tickets. We've got a website builder. So very much like Eventbrite, but with much better pricing and, and a much better user experience. So check it out, please. Send me an email with the subject. Send me an email to dan at eventsframe.com, D-A-N at E-V-E-N-T-S-F-R-A-M-E.com with the subject line podcast, and I'll give you a special discount code. So on to this week's interview. This is actually a repost. I was a guest on a podcast by somebody called Jen Miller, and she has a podcast called More Travel in Life. And really interesting podcast. I highly recommend everyone to check it out. All about travel and business. And, you know, I get asked all the time, you know, how do I run over 300 events a year at Apps Events? And, and, and the reason is because I've got a great team and that team is remote. It's based around the world. Like we've got, we've got team members in the UK, in Czech Republic, in the US, in Peru, Thailand, in Philippines. So we, we've got people all over and we run that remotely. So, you know, obviously when you run an event, you know, at the time you run the event, you physically got to be in a certain place. But in between, you know, you can plan, promote, run, do a lot of stuff from anywhere, you know, and our team collaborates around the world. So we get into how I did that and, and we just talk about travel generally, you know. Uh, I, I know a lot of people in the digital nomad community who run pretty big businesses you know, just staying from Airbnbs around the world. And, and I was a little bit like that for a while. I was, I was a consultant who traveled and then I was a freelancer. So I've always traveled and it's really interesting topic for me. I love to talk about it. So I think you'll enjoy this interview. Jen's a great interviewer and she, she gets into a lot about my backstory and about how I started running uh, apps events uh, and events frame. So thanks everyone for listening. I, I really, really appreciate it. If I could just ask one thing, if you enjoy this podcast, please just send a link to one person. It's great just to slowly grow the listenership. And if you know anyone who could be interested in, in helping run events to grow their business and just general entrepreneurial topics, you know, as you know we get into a lot of things outside of just running events please send them a link to the podcast i'd love for them to check it out Uh, and that's it really on to the interview with jen 
Welcome to episode 39 and welcome to the More Travel in Life podcast. I'm your host, Jen Miller. In every episode, I connect with an amazing person just like you who has a mortgage, kids, job, and we talk and learn about how they've incorporated more travel into their life. Their stories, approaches, and insights give us inspiration to create our own unique blend of life with more travel. get to today's guest there's some exciting news y'all I get to give out some major shout outs and read four yep four new amazing reviews to you today yep you post them I read them because I am so grateful and they are awesome subscribe share and pop over to iTunes to give the podcast a five-star review it really encourages others to check out the episodes and to listen to them and I really appreciate it okay here we go this is from Shawtime807. I love this one. I would give this podcast a million stars if I could, but I guess five will do for now. I can't even begin to describe how cool this is. I love to travel, but more importantly, I love to hear people's views on traveling. Traveling expands your horizon so much. With this podcast, you don't have to travel. You can learn from people that have traveled. Thank you, Shawtime. Um... Second one is great podcast with amazing insights. I loved the most recent episode. This is from Emerald Sinclair. Thank you. Uh, I love Jen's questions into the real person behind the travel and have learned so much. This next one is from Snackob, maybe Jake. <laughs> amazing host and material, five stars. Jen does an amazing job of running the podcast and interview as well as finding pertinent pertinent and relatable material. Travel is one of the most important things in our lives and therefore it's just amazing that she's been able to track down so many different types of travelers to show the listeners that there isn't one particular way to do it. Amen. Additionally, a great interviewer voice is critical to a great podcast and she has it. Great job. Well, thank you. I don't hear what you guys hear, but I've heard that. So I'll take it. Thank you. And then the last one is from Chels823. Jen is a great host who really digs deep to get to valuable insight that informs passionate and unique travelers. Great show. Can't wait for more. Thank you so much. And thank you guys. I'm just, those were awesome. <laughs> if you guys keep writing those, um, I will keep smiling. All right, guys, let's get on with today's show. My guest today has focused on finding flexible employment. It's been a priority for him, and he's gotten lucky with travel as a result. He was born and raised in the UK. You'll love his accent. Um, but he didn't catch the travel bug until he was 18. He became an entrepreneur after consulting and traveling the globe with Deloitte. He's worked without a home office and often traveled for six months out of the year um, before making Prague his home base. Now he's the CEO and founder of two companies, Apps Events and Events Frame, all about events. He has teams on almost every continent, and so he has great insights on managing remote teams and outsourcing. So we talk about that, and also since his business has allowed him to travel for 12 plus years, we talked a lot about transitions and maintaining that balance as an entrepreneur, um, and also as a new father, um, he's entering that exciting new chapter of travel with his wife and nine-month-old kid. So help me welcome Dan Taylor. Dan, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk to you. You know Chris Reynolds. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, Chris Reynolds and me are both, I mentioned before, in a group called the Dynamite Circle. It's like a, well, it is a location independent entrepreneur group. And we've met a few times and I've been on his podcast and I know he was on your podcast and he's a really great guy. Yeah, really enjoyed talking with him. And it's funny, you know, circles and introductions. And I love that. So you have traveled all your life. A lot. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I am. Um, just like me. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, not so much. You know, I think maybe that's why I was so into it. Like, you know, when I was young, we didn't really go on foreign holidays. And I didn't, didn't go even go out of the UK till I was 14, probably. Um, and then, you know, when I went to university, I just started. I, I went abroad mm. every chance I could. I worked abroad every summer. And then I, I took off for a year traveling straight after university. And ever since then, I've been traveling a lot. So that taste of freedom gave you the bug to travel. And what is it about it that you love? You know, I think that the... You know, like a lot of British, it's not so, not so common in America, but like yeah. in the UK, loads of British people take a year out after university and just go around the world. It's like a, you buy a round the world ticket and, and it's kind of a, a well-trodden path, you know, a well-trodden path. You go to Asia for three to four months, typically, uh, you, you know, you've saved enough money for Asia. Then you go to Australia and if you're British, you know, you get a one year working visa in Australia. So okay. you go to Australia, make some money. And then you come back the other way. You go to New Zealand, South Pacific, usually US, Canada, maybe Latin America, and come back, you know? So that trip, um, which wow. is pretty, it's nothing exceptional. I mean, probably half my friends did something similar, you know? But it was, that just got me into it. I, I saw the world and thought, I'd love to do this. But, you know, back then, this was pre-digital nomad times. You know, sure. there was no way to really work. Well, but it wasn't really internet, you know? There was, but, but it was internet, but it was kind of basic internet cafe. So it wasn't really any way to, to, to see a business I could do that. And that all came later, you know, when, when I realized I could, I could run a business that was, was, you know, global. But I think the, the thing that's fascinating about, you know, what you share about you know, gap year or anything, I think it's so important for education. Like it's the world's education. It's the, it's a global yeah. tour of having you, you know, understand the world versus just books. Right. Definitely. I mean, it used to be, you know, I, I guess, I guess, you know, it came, you know, the, arist the, the aristocracy in, UK, in England used to have like, you know, they'd go on a kind of grand European tour, even as far as the Middle East or Asia sometimes, and they'd, they'd travel around and it was kind of a, a thing that a certain small group of society would do. Right. And then, you know, at a certain point with these cheap round the world airline tickets, it became something that everyone started doing. Yeah. And I think we are starting to get more influenced by, you know, all of you <laughs> do and do the yeah. gap year. I never got to do that and went out right after school, but I traveled a lot as a kid, but I think it can be so helpful to anyone to do any kind of sabbatical gap year. So that's amazing. Well, why do you think, why do you think Americans don't do it so much? You think it's because of the student debt or they just a bit, people are a bit more insular in terms of thinking? Well, I think, you know, when you're in the UK, you just have access, you know, within an hour or two to be in another country and to explore different yeah. cultures because, you know, back then we're all a little, you know, connected more now these days, obviously. But yeah. back then it was like you go to Germany, that was a completely different experience than going to Portugal, sure. right? So yeah. I think it's just geographically. Did, did you design your life for travel and 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 then build these business businesses or did you realize that you tr you know these businesses helped you travel and it almost led to that uh, i basically started off working as, as a management consultant with deloitte uh, and and so i never really had any 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 stability you know like when you're a management consultant you're working on a project you, you had a client site for, for maybe six months or three months or longer even that's kind of how i started so i was always out traveling and you know and if you work for deloitte in the us you'd be working interstate and i was working in inter country so okay. i kind of like you know i i'd already done my year out traveling after university and then 
with the Deloitte thing, I was traveling and, and that just, you know, that just got me into it completely. I was just, I was just, you know, I was, I was like a, a gypsy, you know, I was always traveling <laughs> and, 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 I, and I just, just kind of, I guess it just stayed with me, you know, that was the way to, that was the way my work was. Yeah. You kind of learned that lifestyle and you're like, all right, I like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Nice, nice. And you know, it's, I mean, and I got sick of it, you know, after eight years or so, I, I you know, I was just having no fixed base, it, it got a lot, but, uh, you know, but eight years is a long time, you know, I did it for a long time. Yeah, that is a long time. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, um, I think I reacted to just traveling every two years as a kid. And now I've been in Atlanta for, you know, almost 20 years because I think subconsciously, you know, you almost react to, you know, whatever phase that you're in, it, it goes both ways, right? If you've been traveling a lot and having no home base, like you had, you kind of want to settle down or change the scenery or, but sure. then if, or if you've been just kind of staying in one place and never going anywhere, you're like, I need to get out of here. So you, you yeah. just, you know, you want to go on that sabbatical. So I think it, it just goes both ways, but that's really interesting that Deloitte and that kind of gypsy mindset. Cause you're right. Like you go wherever the client is, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then when I went freelance, it was a set more of the same, you know, I was, I was working for myself, but still just taking contracts everywhere. And, and I, I worked in some cool places. I was in, in, in the Caribbean and in, in Jamaica and Grand Cayman. I was in Asia. I was in Silicon Valley. I was everywhere in Europe, you know, pretty much. So it was, you know, it, it was uh, working all over the place. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and some of those big companies, they really do help you kind of see the world. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've only got good things to say about Deloitte. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a corporate guy. I didn't like working for a big company, but they were a good company. They treated me really well. I got to go to some cool places, you know, but it, I worked hard for that. I made them, I made them a lot more money than yeah, they paid sure. me, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was a trade-off, you know, like if you work for Deloitte in Europe, like I did, I'd be working Monday to Thursday in a, in a different country, you know, flying back on Friday. And so I just, I would like from day one, pretty much my career after a brief stint at the bank, I was just traveling, you know? And so I like, I never had the stability that most people had. I never had like, you know, the, the office and the standard desk and my desktop computer. I didn't even have a debt, you know, Deloitte, you just got a laptop and you're out of a client. Maybe and you, come you in go the office wherever you're... they are. Yeah. Wherever they want, you don't much have much choice. It's like there's a project starting in Germany. You, you're flying to Germany four or five days a week. The next project's in Denmark. You know, I was based out of Prague, which is where I came here, but uh, I was just traveling, you know, and then basically I figured out my kind of transition to be an entrepreneur was like, I was an employee for Deloitte. But then I looked at all these guys going contracting, so going freelance. So I, I had a set of skills in SAP, and Deloitte's were paying me X, but I could, you know, I could charge myself out at a daily rate and make and make more, you know, quite a bit more. Obviously, with a much higher risk because I'm taking three-month contracts. I might be waiting around, but I didn't care. I was just like, you know, I was single at the time, and I was mm -hmm. like, look, I'll take a three-month contract, and then I just go and hang out in Asia and wait for the next contract. You know, I just like I didn't I didn't have a permanent uh, address. I didn't have a permanent house. I was just on the road, you know, like. And this was still with Deloitte? No, yeah, this was freelance. So this okay, is, I basically okay, left it. Deloitte After and that. went and like, I'm just going to go freelance, um, you know, take the contract, like take a three month contract yeah. and hang out for the next one. And then uh, that's what I did. Did that for eight years. And you liked it. I liked it in the beginning, but I got really sick of it. I got really sick of like just being on the road all the time, you know, like I, I still love travel now, but like, I, you know, I like to have a base. I like to have like a house where all my stuff is. It, it, even forget the fact that, you know, I mean, I'm in a, I'm married now in a, in a serious relationship, even just, you know, I, I love the travel and I did it for I mean, eight, eight years is a long time, you know, but I, I just, it was too much in the end. I just had enough. And, and, and I often wonder about all these digital nomads, if they're all going to just get sick of it after a while, you know, it's kind of a new thing and I'm it curious how it's all going to pan out long term. I don't, I don't know yeah. what you think. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I I have uh, interviewed a lot of, of folks and families that, you know, they, they take a sabbatical, they take some travel, and then they realize it's time to change the scenery. Just like how when you were in a job, then you want to change the scenery to travel, the scenery needs to change again. And so I think we're all needing that fresh perspective, no matter which way it goes. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, to answer your question, I moved around every two years for, right. you know, basically like slow travel. Yeah. I mean, but this was when I was a kid, I had no choice. So I would hop school systems because my dad would just be assigned to different places. And so we mo would move every two years. And I remember being kind of traumatized about, you know, being plucked out of schools and having to make new friends. But then I think I've stayed here in Atlanta for gosh, you know, the folks listening to travel would be like, what? Um, for 20 years, I've been in Atlanta, but I right. always get that dose of travel. So I feel like it gives me that, like you said, that home base. But I think it's honestly a reaction to traveling so much when I was younger. It's like subconscious to like lay down some roots. And then, you know, now I'm starting to get a little itchy <laughs> about, yeah. okay, traveling and, and heading somewhere else. So, yeah. Yeah, it's always the case, you know, if like if you have too long not traveling, you miss it. Like, I mean, yes, because when I, you know, when I finished contracting, the next stage was I started a business, a consulting and recruitment company based around the skills I had in SAP with a friend of mine here in Prague. And that was really like a regular business. We had an office, our business was local and I, I didn't really travel for six years and, and I hated it. I really hated it. I was, I, lo I was looking for a way to get out of that business. I managed to sell my share, still remain really good friends with my friend and co-founder. But I would just realize it wasn't for me, you know, turning up to an office every day. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, great. Some people just can't live without it. I, I couldn't do it. You know, I found it really hard. And then so you were based in Prague and how did your, your new businesses come about? So, uh, like I said, I was in this, um, I started this business doing but mostly recruitment for, for IT kind of people that were in the area I was in. And I, I managed to sell my share in that. And I was looking for something to do. I wanted to do, well, I, two things. I wanted to do something technical again, you know, because that was my background okay. as an IT guy. And secondly, I didn't want to have an office. I wanted to be traveling and be on the road, you know. Uh, at least have the option. At least, you know, yeah. like having a, a location-independent business, I could run from, from anywhere. Uh, I didn't want to have employees. So I started, um, I had a friend who'd gone to work for Google, a really good friend. And, and he was like, look, Dan, take a look at Google. It's free for schools, Google, Google for education, you know, the Google apps, all this, all these tools are free. There's loads of opportunities. And so I just started looking into it and, and I just set up a business helping schools move to Google, you know, like if they wanted to set up Google apps in their school or university, I'd, I'd set it up. I'd support them remotely. I'd do their training. I'd, I'd integrate it with other systems and, and I just did everything, like whatever people wanted, I did, you know, sometimes for, you know, almost no money. Yeah. And tell me, Dan, so, um, yeah. it, like you're, you're coming from SAP, Deloitte Consulting. I mean, those are big bucks. And then now you're helping schools. How did that transition happen that you were like, okay, I'm going to do that. Was it just opportunity? Was it something that you wanted to do? Cause I would assume that there's not as much money, but what did you see as potential? Well, you know, you're exactly right. But I kind of had the in-between stage after Deloitte and, and where I started this recruitment agency. Yes. And now, you know, that we, we made really good money until 2008 when the financial crisis hit. And then it just dropped off a cliff, you know. Yeah. So from then, it was just playing. We, we didn't pay ourselves for two years. You know, we were just running to get the business back. And and when I got a chance to sell it, I was I was glad to be out. So okay. I was kind of starting from kind of a low, a low end, you know. And and I and I didn't I I could have gone back to SAP consulting, but I was kind of I'd, I'd done that, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of had a bit of a confidence I could make something else work. So you're right, it wasn't it wasn't big bucks in the beginning, but there there is a lot of money in education. People make that mistake, you know. You can make a lot of money with with schools, especially administrative uh, uh, stuff, right? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially if you're dealing with private schools, yeah, international exactly. schools, uh, or even in the US, like school districts and stuff, you know? So, so yeah, you're right. It wasn't a lot of money in the beginning, but I could see it could be a big business. I mean, and, and you know, now we've, we've got that business employs 12 people and we run events, you know, all across the world for schools. Still, and educate still in- some of the rest of us in terms of what is the Google for schools and what, what is actually that platform that, that you're facilitating? So, so the thing is, I guess you know G Suite, which used to be Google Apps, which yes. you probably use it yourself, which is Gmail, Google yeah. Drive, all these suite of applications. So, so if you're obviously you can have a free Gmail account, but if but if you're a business, you get a, you get a, a G Suite for Business account, which means you pay fifty dollars per year per person, you know, to have that account. So you have it on your own domain, you know, at DanTaylor.com. So that that's G Suite, that's the core offering, and Google offered this for free to schools. It's completely free. So there's a huge sort of market in terms of how do you Schools need help setting Google up, you know, setting up all the Google tools, G Suite. They need help supporting it. They need help with training the staff. And that's kind of what, 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 what I was doing, you know, helping schools set it up. But Google has all this other connected stuff for schools. Like, I don't know if you know about Chromebooks, which are, you know, laptops running yes. Google's operating system, which are huge in schools. I mean, 80% of U.S. schools use them. You know, they, they buy millions a year. So, you know, helping with Chromebook implementations with school. And then, but then Google has all this other stuff. They've got a tool called Google Classroom, which is a classroom management tool they give for free to schools. You've got like using YouTube, you know, YouTube in education. You've got using Google Maps and Earth to teach geography and, and economics and different topics. So, so like there's, there's tons and tons of stuff Google have for schools and, it, and it's all free. You know, it's, 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 it's like it amazes me still that not every school in the world aren't using these tools because right. they're so good. And, and Dan, they're free. can, can, can um, homeschoolers use this or do you have to be a school system? You have to be a school. You have to be a a not-for-profit school. Uh, You wouldn't get access to it. But as a homeschool, you could just use a free Gmail account and get most of the stuff. You know, maybe if you were a part of like, I know some homeschoolers are part of like, they're part of a virtual school district. And I know about some of these virtual school districts. A friend of mine works for one in New Hampshire. And if you're connected to that, then that virtual school district could could get access to to, to G Suite for Education. So you could do it that way. Excellent. And and tell me about the events piece of it or the I guess so so it's implementing the Google you know suite or network uh, for schools and then yeah, in the beginning yeah and then yeah the events exactly like so now we don't do that now we just do training and and the events you know we we're in three kind of three kinds of events but the biggest kind is we run what are called Google for Education summits so they're basically like a two day conference just like a conference you'd attend yourself about a topic you're interested in. Uh, but, you know, they have like 100 to 200 people, a bunch of breakout sessions, keynote, networking party. You know, it's a proper conference where teachers and people that work for schools learn about Google, you know. Okay. Um, and we run these literally all over the world. I mean, just for example, in the last month, we've just run one in Mongolia, just ran one in London. We wow. ran one in Arkansas. We ran one in, in Peru. Mm. So, like, literally, we're running these things all over the world, you know. Uh, so that's the main thing. I don't know if you want to know any more about that. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the question that I would have is, did you know that that would facilitate travel all over the world and then your team goes and helps to do that and and that was your way to experience the world and even more of the world? Or did that just kind of be a lovely accident? Yeah, I, you know, like maybe subconsciously, I didn't really think of it like that, but yeah, <laughs> I, I guess subconsciously I probably did. So how, how it came about, I mean, I, I just, like I ran one event in Prague, which was where I lived. And I had a good contact with the International School of Prague, a friend of mine, John Micton, 
no one had run a Google for Education event in Europe, so I just ran one. I didn't really have permission from Google. I just went ahead and did it, you know. I mean, I had kind of like half permission. I'd kind of, no one objected to me doing it, you know. So I'm like, Google for Education, so, and I just ran it. And I, you know, almost by accident, I mean, I, I made quite a lot of money out of it, you know, like relative, like compared to what I had, which was very little, you know. I mean, I, I made it enough to keep me going for another six months. So it was really good. So, and then what happened was at that event, because uh, it was kind of new, people came from all over the world. I had a lot of people from the US, from Asia. And a guy came from Bangkok, from the American School of Bangkok. And he was like, look, let's run this in my school. And I was like, cool. So literally, like two months later, I'm on a plane to Bangkok. And I met him. And then two two months after that, we ran an event in Bangkok. So nice. And then there was a, a, a second guy who was from Arkansas, uh, actually a Californian guy who worked a lot in Arkansas. And he was like, let's run this in uh, Conway, which is just near Little Rock. So Literally from that first event, I had sure. a bunch of people, one from Thailand, one from America, and then I ran those. And so it just became a global business without ever planning it. That's amazing. And how many locations and, and trips have you made, you said? Millions. I mean, yeah, we, we wow. ran, I mean, like if you, we were recording this in April 2019. In 2018, we ran over 300 events. Not, not all like this. So we, the other events I didn't get onto, we run a lot of smaller training events, one or two day boot camps to get people certified in Google tools. Uh, and and, and we also run events for Google, but 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 now, I mean, how we structure the business now? I got a there's a guy based in Thailand, an English guy who runs all of Asia and the Middle East. Okay. Uh, and then a guy in the UK, two guys in the UK actually who run the UK. A girl in Czech Republic who runs Europe, mainland Europe. Uh, somebody in Peru who runs Latin America, and a lady in New Hampshire who runs the U.S. and Canada. So we've wow. got it regional now. We've got a person in every region. Mm -hmm. They run it. I don't go to most events. I mean, you know, it's not physically possible. You know, but they they run most of their own events. We organize it centrally, and we, and we get the speakers and stuff. That's amazing. So you have a, <laughs> a remote team. Yeah. Talk to us about how you started to set that up. You know, maybe some listeners either want to set up remote teams, they want to grow their businesses, but you know, you went from one um, one man band um, yeah. to having this amazing global remote team. What did that evolution yeah. look like? I can tell you exactly. So, I, funny enough, you know, I've, I've got a podcast, the Events Podcast, and I just interviewed a guy last week called Chris Ducker. I don't, have you heard of Chris Ducker? He, he's a, got haven't. a book called Rise of the Youpreneur. Really, really interesting Ooh, book. Yeah. You should check him out. You should get him on your podcast. He's, he's a great guy. He's a, but he's an expert in outsourcing. So he was also a member of the Dynamite Circle where I met Chris Reynolds, and he had he's got loads of businesses. He's like he's a you know multi talented guy, but. He had a business called Virtual Staff Finder. So he was based in the Philippines and he had a business helping you find staff in the Philippines. So I hired my first person in Cebu, Philippines, where, where he was based. I went across and met them and I hired a person to start doing all the backend administration. And then that worked. I, I hired, an, well, actually the first one didn't work out. The first lady didn't work out. I hired a second and a third. And now I've got a team in Cebu in the Philippines. So we've got a core team of three and then a few contractors as well. Um, so basically what I did was I just hired from the Philippines. I tried to make everything like a process. So for example, you know, if I run a podcast, I just record the audio and then the team in the Philippines, they, they create the cover art, they upload sure. the podcast, edit mm -hmm. it, da, da, da. but, but, but all the events, you know, they would do all the, anytime there's an inquiry from an attendee, they would answer the inquiry. They'd help create all the websites for the events. They'd help promote it. They'd do the social media. So, so at the beginning, really, I just focused in on, I learned a lot about running a remote team, but I decided to keep everyone in the same place. So I only hired people in this town called Cebu, which is the second biggest city in the Philippines. I went out there once a year, you know, to work with the guys. And, and, you know, I've, I've been doing that since I had the first person in 2013. So, you know, 
six years now, uh, and 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 I, I you know I can talk till the cows come home about running a team in the Philippines and and the challenges. But that's kind of the core. That's how I got started. You know, to answer your question, I I, I got someone in the Philippines. I had more and more, and I built up I built up a team to run all the back end process yeah, of the business. Yeah, that makes sense. So that you could focus on the um the networking and the and the events and, and setting up more business and then they yeah, can the help sales, support basically, you, right? you know, yeah. like that it's really hard to outsource sales i discovered that yeah. pretty early on you know you've got to go out and get you know do that yourself in the beginning and and you know well you can outsource it but it, it's hard yeah okay yeah. well okay and then from there you just continued to gain that confidence that you could rely on remote teams and then that grew and grew and grew yeah, well, so we, the team in the Philippines was the one thing, and that's still there, and that's you know that that'll always be part. Like, like I, I say to people, like if I if I stop this business now, I'd still keep the Philippines team as long as I could afford it, and I'd put them onto my next business because wow. they're such cool people. You know, they're friends now, and I like working with them, and it's just it's an easy way to to do it, you know. But but in addition, so the other guys I mentioned, you know, we've got regional managers uh, in, in 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 five different places. These guys were all just people who were speaking at my events. So when we run an event, you know. We get a lot of free speakers that we don't pay, but then you know, if we get someone who's really good and comes back, we start paying them. And these were guys who I, I just paid and to speak, and they did a really good job, and they were, you know, they helped out. And then we worked more and more, and it was it was kind of a transition, you know. In the beginning, you know, we paid them to speak, and then it was like, hang on a minute, why don't I pay you for like work two days a month, and you can do some organization, and then then it becomes, you know, two days a week, and then it's like. Okay, let's just give it full time plus profit share, you know? Yeah, because so obviously people... they get connected into the organization and you get excited and passionate about what, what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Awesome. And and so has that transitioned into the software piece that you mentioned, the software business? Yeah, the software business at Events Frame. <laughs> you got a lot of going on. Yeah, I've, I've got a lot going on. Uh, but it's good, you know, I think it, I, I, I need it, you know, I need to... Um... I need, I need that, I think. But it, it, so that, that's, it's called Events Frame. It's a ticketing system. So anyone, anyone listening who runs any kind of event, if it's a meetup, if it's a conference, you know, you can use it. We have a flat low fee from $20 a month. It's, so, so we built that for ourselves in the beginning, so which is a good way to start a software yeah. business. You know, we used it. You probably heard of Eventbrite. That's the kind of the biggest. You know, they charge almost 4% of the ticket price for every sale. So when you're running the volume of events we were, you know, we're paying thousands of dollars to Eventbrite every year and we couldn't find a cheap solution. So that's why we ended up building our own system, you know, and I, from day one, I had an eye on, look, this is going to be a separate business. We, you know, we can, we want to sell it to customers, but, but you know what, we, we built it to scratch our own itch. That, that was how yeah. it started. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but and separate company, you know, I've, I've got two separate partners in that. One is a developer and the other one is actually a guy who works for me at Apps Events. He's also a partner in, in this business. So I try to keep the two separate, kind of hard to juggle my time sometimes. You know, they're connected, but they're separate businesses. And I don't want everybody in Apps Events to, to worry about events frame. Right. No, that makes sense that it's, they're two initiatives. Yeah. And then you have your own podcast and that's really cool. Um, we'll, we'll talk shop <laughs> soon. Yeah. Let's talk about podcasting. I love podcasting. I'm, I'm okay. a podcast junkie. All, all I do is listen to podcasts. You do? It's funny because I don't listen to as many, but I do have some favorites. And and so that's fascinating too, that your your podcast is so niched, um, but it's about, you know, hosting events, right? And, and people doing events and... Exactly right. Yeah. It's called the Events Podcast and it's all focused on running events, you know, and, and uh, we talked about it earlier. It, it is a sales funnel, you know, I mean, that, that was kind of how I justified it to myself is because it helps get customers for events for, for our software. You know, the best thing, I don't know if you found this with podcasting, but the best, the thing I've found, which I didn't think about is it's an amazing way to meet people. You know, once, Absolutely. once your podcast is established and because in the beginning it's hard, but once it, people see it's been done for, for months, 
They see you've got some solid guests on it. They see you've got comments and, and things. Like, you know, I'm getting to speak to some pretty high-end people that I probably wouldn't get access to. But because they want to be on the podcast, you know, you do. And so I'm building some, some great connections because of that. And how long have you been doing it? I'm doing it for like four months, five months, I think. Okay. No, more. A minute. I lose track. No, seven months. <laughs> Jesus. I can't even know. Seven months. Yeah, <laughs> it goes by fast. It goes yeah. by fast. Awesome. So... Your life has transitioned a bit. You have, you're married and you have a little baby, nine months yeah, old. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, nine and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, how has your life changed? You said you traveled a ton and then now you've transitioned um, and now like to have a home base. Is that in Prague? Yeah, we, we kind of lucky. We, we've sort of got two home bases. We've we got Prague, uh, obviously, which is where we live and we got a house here. But we also have uh, an apartment in, in Austria in, in, in the Alps, which we share with a friend. So oh, and we rent it out in between. So I actually, I'm really into skiing and snowboarding. So we spend quite a bit of time down there in the winter. But it's a five hour drive from here. So it's pretty close. But but yeah, basically we're based in Prague, but we've, we've traveled in between. Amazing. And do you, so then do you still get to travel and, and are you planning anything in the in the future yeah well you know it's it's so i went through a phase of traveling all like a, a, until i met my wife which is kind of three years ago i guess i um i just traveled like half of the year sometimes more you know i didn't really have i, I was based in prague but I'd probably be here half the time then with her you know it just changed because she's got yeah. a regular job you know so that meant she had five, in europe it's much better than us but if you've got a job in, in in europe you have five weeks holiday year so we'd have five weeks away together and then I, i'd still do a bunch of trips but i'd try to keep it to like you know three four five days maybe a week if i was going to asia or some the us or something you know um, and Dan, how was but, that transition? I mean, was it was it like obviously you're in love and 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 with someone, so it, it's yeah. obviously nice. But how did you feel about the travel and that transition? We've talked a lot I, about transitions on the show. Here. I, yeah, I didn't notice it. I, I, maybe because oh, okay. I was in love, but yeah, but I, you know, I, I, it actually helped my business. You know, I, I was I started. You know, it, it's it's hard to work on the road. I know everyone. You'll see a million videos of YouTube of guys in Chiang Mai on their laptop saying how productive they are and how how many making it. But but it, it is hard, you know. Yeah. And actually, it forced me to spend more time here, and I, I definitely helped my business a lot. You know, I, I it didn't bother me. I you know I just get focused on different things. Like you know I got I got I realized I was going to spend a lot of time in Prague, so I just like I thought I got really addicted to squash because I'm like you know squash is a game I can play all the time in the city, so I just started <laughs> doing that all the time. Like I need something to focus on, you know. But then like the new phase since having a baby it's got better because my wife's on maternity leave now she's hopefully not going to go back to work we're going to work out something she can do online so now we're planning to do you know lo longer travel and we've already went out to taiwan with, with a baby and we're going to go to asia for three months in the fall so now i'm planning just longer trips we're going to we're going to take the, take the three of us we'll rent an airbnb in wherever let's say we might go to the us for the summer we might go to asia and this is my plan now is we're going to travel but like you know longer trips it's 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 really hard to travel with a young baby just for a few days i've, I've done some short trips in europe and it's just like it's, yeah it's, it's just a hassle you know so i think if we do longer trips we'll get into the life of a place and right. and, and chill a bit more kind of live like a local for a bit yes exactly right so like for a few weeks at a time yeah well like i said asia so we're going for definitely two months okay and the first month is going to be in bangkok because i'm working with james the guy who works works with me he's based out of bangkok so we're going to get a condo i already know the area you know it's just cool got you know cool there's some amazing places to stay there with great pool complexes and stuff and oh, so nice. yeah a month in thailand and then we've got a few things to do you know we're going to go to the philippines to cebu to work with a team and then prop try to find somewhere on the beach where, where i can work from the beach and do a bit of surfing or something nice 
<laughs> yeah, I've heard the Philippines are just beautiful, beautiful. Philippines is amazing. It's but it's also you know you can't you can't idle. You got to be ready for the reality. I mean, the cities are grimy, crowded. It's a yeah. third world country. You know, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of social problems that people have to put up with there. You know, it's hard to be a Filipino when I, when I think what what my team go through in terms of just just the bureaucracy and right. the hustle. And then the typhoons, you know, I mean, you know, your whole town gets destroyed by a typhoon pretty regularly and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's a tough place to live, but it's it's amazing. Like the beaches are amazing. Yeah. The people are amazing. You know, people, are, when you get to know them, are, are super friendly. Yeah, you've obviously shown that that, that they are the, the loyal and you're loyal to them. Yeah, you can, yeah, but you know, there's a, there's a big but. A lot of people have problems with Filipino staff, you know, disappearing, not being reliable. Usually, it's the problem of the hire, like the problem of the person like me, because you know, they they, they think it's easy to run a remote team and they can just have, you know. But a lot often these these managers are young, they're never inexperienced, and and it takes time, you know. Like you've got to you've got to really give, you know. They're no different from somebody in the U.S. or England. You know, they want a, a job that's interesting. They want to make they want to make good money so they can buy a house and start a family. You know, they got the same hopes and dreams that any of us have. Sure. So, if you don't, if, if you think of them just like as some kind of outsourced person in a different country, and expect them to do everything, like it's it's re- it's never going to work long term. You know, and it's hard. So I think I, I was a, I was a terrible manager in the beginning. You know, I, I wasn't very sensitive to all these things, but I kind of learned it. You know, and 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 so so if you're prepared to put the time in. It, you can build an amazing remote team there that'll really help you grow your business, but you can't expect it's just a case of you ship a load of work and they do it, you know, because it's because you know it, it's 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 not easy like that. Yeah, like any team, they need direction, they need training, they need feedback to get better and better. Exactly right. And Dan, do you have you know the usual tools to collaborate with them? How did you find that working with a remote team? Do you use like the usual Slack and or is it, are there special tools that, that that they like to use? You know, we're because we're 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 a Google shop, so we do almost everything. Oh, got in it right, right, Google. Right. So we use Google Hangouts all day mm-hmm. to chat. Google Hangouts, obviously Gmail. We use Google Drive. All our documents are in Drive. So that's pretty much all we use. We use Trello for our projects, um, you know, the Trello system for project management. We don't use Slack. I mean, I just, you know, I, I use Slack for some other things. I just find it annoying. I know everyone loves it. <laughs> and I know I'm the only person in the world, but I'm just like, I don't I don't need another communication channel. I just, it's, I just yeah, don't it's like. It's hard to like have that always open. It's a different, a different mentality. Yeah, it is. So, so, so we just use Google tools. We use okay. Trello. Yeah. No, I think that would cover much, it, yeah. right? That's, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. We just, we just in G Suite all day long. You, you mentioned, you know, Google, and I was like, oh yeah, they have every tool in the in the toolbox. But you, I just realized when you said it, I'm like, yeah, when are they getting kind of like a Kanban kind of type of tool like Trello? Um, they don't have that. Yeah. You're that's right. like they, one they thing should, that's missing. They should do. But by the way, the new Google chart is getting much more like Slack. They're definitely going oh, after okay. the Slack market. Okay. So check out the new Google chart, but because it's, you know, it's integrated with. And and remind me, so you, what is exactly the relationship with Google? So you're a Google preferred partner? Yeah. We're Go- yeah. Google for education partner, basically. And it's just changed when it's now Google cloud, it changes. I'm actually, so I'm, I'm flying out to San Francisco on Saturday for the big annual Google partner summit, ah, which will be nice. cool in the, in the Moscone sense. Yeah. I can't wait. I mean, oh, yeah. it's like, you know, I'm only, I'm only really there for three days. So you know, family stuff, but it's cool. We have a big, we have, we have a, a lot of small get-togethers, but this is the one big annual partner event. It was New York last year. It's in San Francisco this year. Nice. Yeah, Moscone, like that. Anything Google is big. <laughs> they do it. Yeah, big. yeah. I've never been to Moscone Center. Have you? Have you been there? I haven't been to the actual center. It's it's really pretty, and just being around that area is really nice. But I have actually been to the Google campus, and that is amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah, I've I've been there a ton of times. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So, yeah, you know, that, that was like a real, the first time I went there, I'm like, oh, this is, this is, this, that was the first time I thought like, oh, this is really cool that I've got that business. I'm in yeah, the Google campus. Yeah, this is legit. Yeah. 
like Instagramming like crazy. Yeah. So let's go back to like the the fun little trip that you're doing. So Bangkok, Cebu, and then just the beach. And then are you gonna? You'll be working during that time, obviously. And running your businesses. Yeah, exactly. Which is a challenge. So, so Bangkok will be easy, you know. Like, um, I've, I already know where we're going to be working. It's funny. I'm actually a member of me and James, who I work with, members of the, the British Club in Bangkok, which they've got this amazing place. Which is, it's going to, it's actually perfect because they've got a great sports facilities, lawns. They got, they got childcare people all day, so the, the wife and the baby can just hang out there, play, go by the pool, get food. But they've also got a co-working space. There, so I'm just going to work there get my work done there. So that's kind of the month in Bangkok is pretty much work. You know, we'll, we'll do stuff on the evenings and weekends. Um, then the rest of it, it's going to be a mixture, you know, like, you know, when I go to Philippines, we'll, we'll do some work, we'll do some holiday. And the beach, you know, I'll try to take a couple of weeks just completely off, you know, just, I, I yeah. don't do that enough, really. That That's, it's easy to talk about all the cool things about what I do and this kind of business, but the, the dark side is, you know, it's, it's tough to properly take time off. And sometimes you can be in a cool place, but if you're stressed about something and you're on a conference call at two in the morning, you know, it loses the glamour of being on a nice beach. So I'm, I'm going to try on this trip, like I've done it once or twice, just, just unplug two, two, maybe even three weeks and just chill. Yeah, I think that's important. And and it's really funny that you mentioned that, Dan, because Chris mentioned it the same way. He's like, I take in a lot of trips and I travel a lot, but I don't take a lot of vacation. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I got plenty of friends in this kind of type of business who never, they don't take any day completely off. They don't even take one day a week off totally ever, you know, seven days a week. And, and they travel and, and they, they'll take loads of half days off, but they'll still work every day. Yeah, but I think you're right. Like, it's just so important. I know that there's now a trend of digital detox and you know, put yeah. the phone down. And I think that time away, you know, sometimes you can get mini doses. Yeah. Do you, how do you kind of manage that? Like being on all the time? No, I mean, I wouldn't, I would, I don't know, <laughs> you know, I don't think I manage it very well is, is the answer. You know, I think it's something I need to work on. I, you know, I'm not someone who claims to have all the answers. I think that I noticed it when well, we got married two years ago and we went to Panama on a honeymoon and two weeks two weeks or three weeks uh, but I, I switched off completely and my wife forced me and I, I, I was only I only even like checked my phone you know once a day I didn't look at email anything and like I realized I was probably sleeping an extra hour a day you know and uh and you realize the effect it has on your subconscious from always just checking if I don't know about you but I'm just like I yeah. can't stop checking my phone all the time and Dan, I mean like because you have I mean if you have a truly global team you're almost on in every time zone like there's something yeah, although, going although, on in every you know Mm -hmm. the regional people take over a lot of that so sure. you know okay, i don't good. they don't call me no it's pre, I, like for example i never get called at five or six in night ever you know i never get called before seven eight in the morning so it's not that bad actually uh but i just realized when i unplugged yeah when i unplugged for, for just how how relaxed i was i was like you know you don't realize that we're not designed as humans to be checking a computer screen every 10 seconds you know we're just not and 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 all the all the slacks and uh, everything in the world can't come back you know thousands of years of evolution you know it's like we just and I, 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 I the answer is i'm not sure i need to do it more i need to unplug more well we i think we're all finding that almost as a society and that's why i think it's a growing conversation about you know digital detox and and unplugging but i, lo I love this bit because i always apply it to my computer but i guess we could apply it to, to us it's like if all else fails reboot <laughs> right yeah. Yeah, well, what, what, what do you do? I mean, do you take certain days off a week, certain weeks off a year? Like, how, how do you handle it? I'm I'm learning. I'm a new entrepreneur, but at the same time, I love the flexibility that, um, you know, later today after this conversation, I have to go get my hair cut and I'm going to go take care of some personal things like my car emissions and, yeah. and, and my driver's license and things like that. So I have that flexibility, but you have flexibility, but then there's the opposite side of structure, right? So it's productivity in that. But then the other side is, yeah, like, how do you 
do you take vacation and really unplug? I think you just have to. But I'm learning that when you do unplug, because entrepreneurs are on all the time, because you're passionate about what you're doing. And so there's always some project. Like I think as entrepreneurs, we just keep adding projects to ourselves, like you and your businesses. And I'm finding yeah, the same yeah. thing. It's like, I'm just adding little projects here and there. And so you just chase them and you kind of get into this mindset. But yeah, I think so. I think you... You, you find new reasons to unplug, whether that's a cabin or a, a beach getaway for a week or a, even a weekend, you know, or a half day even, <laughs> to go yeah, up I to mean, uh, the park. You don't have like a day a week when you when you don't you like a digital detox. I've heard of, of that. that, you know, in terms of like, like one day is a creative day. One day is completely off. I, yeah. I don't. I mean, do you know people who do that? Yeah, I, well, I know people who do. Yeah, well, a couple of things. I got. Yeah, well, like one friend here in Prague and he does one or two days a week when he has these kind of creative days, doesn't schedule any meetings. Yeah. He kind of hangs out in a coffee shop. Right. You know, but then yeah, I don't want to bad mouth a guy because he's, he's, a, he's a cool dude. But then I look at him and I'll meet him like a year later and he's, and he's kind of like, he hasn't really done anything in the last year. So I'm, I'm not sure if that's a great example of how to, you know, because there's like, these things are cool and, and it's cool to think about, you know, your stress level and chilling and detoxing. But, you know, if you're also a driven person that wants to succeed and do a lot, it's hard you have yeah. to work hard, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you can't, I, I, I haven't seen many people have it both ways, you know, like, I, I, so I've, I, I know people who do that. One guy, and actually there's a second person I know, but neither of them really are pushing themselves forward. So it's like, you know, there's, there's a trade-off there. Yeah. And I think there's two schools, right? So there's the, um, you know, the hustle and grind and always on and got to work, work, work. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. And I think that there's a new school that, and I'm also learning about it too, about, you know, once you know what you want, the rest can come a little easier if you have the right mindset, if, you know, if, if you yeah, attune yourself to the opportunity when it does come and then you hustle, but in almost letting it flow. And so I think that's an interesting, you know, and I think lifestyle kind of plays into it, obviously, but I think it's an interesting, I can't think it's a spectrum. Let's just say it that way. Definitely. And, 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 you know, the only way I, I found to grow my business while chilling more is, is by hiring good people and, and yes. hiring people that aren't going to bother you every five minutes. And, you know, like, I mean, I've got team members some weeks I never talk to them and that's, and you know, and not doesn't always, I've got people that call me all the time, but then that's the dream situation. Cause then if you've got a good person working for you, you know, they can grow the business while you sleep. And that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And, but I think there's one more component, Dan, it's like, you have a clear vision and I think that allows them and, and that clarity allows them to do what they need to do to support the business, the, the vision, the goal. And I think that's where clarity is always like it's on my board right now. It's like clarity and purpose, yeah. you know, so as that's long as the, it, the purpose is clear, I think everyone can go do their jobs. Good point. Yeah. And then the path is 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 forward so yeah cool awesome and dan how can anyone who maybe wants to do an event or has an event get connected to what you offer sure well i mean in terms of what anyone listening to this might be interested in check out our software events frame e-v-e-n-t-s-f-r-a-m-e.com events frame that's if you're in any kind of event you know we, we can it's a great way to sell tickets it connects to stripe to paypal braintree you, really good discount codes it's cheaper than anything so please check it out if you drop me an email dan at eventsframe.com i'll give you a special discount code for if you mention you on heard about me from this podcast so yeah i'd love to hear from anyone who wants to run events but otherwise just get in touch i'm, I'm open to if, if you're running you want to ask me questions if you're running your first event and you want me to tell you some advice drop me an email i'll, I'll always help you awesome that's great yeah and, and it's i thought again it was really intriguing that an events company allows 
you know, you to travel so much, but it, it has yeah. obviously there are events I, happening I, I, around I the world. Post about this, why why uh, running live events is the perfect business for digital nomads because people don't realize. People think it's a it's a bricks and mortar business, but it's not. You know, like if you're running an event, the only time you need to be in one place is when the event's happening, maybe a day before, two days before. But you know, like apart from that, you can run the business from anywhere. And you, and what I love about it as well is you can plan your travel around events. Like for example, you know, we ran an event in Peru last year for the first time. We've we've now got a team member there. Like, I've never been to Peru. I always wanted to go, and this gave me a reason. You know, and I can say to my wife, look. Need to go to Peru. I've got a summit. You know, <laughs> yeah. she, like, she'll be like, oh, you got, you know, it's, I'm not making it up. I do, but you can, you know, you can kind of like, you know, to a certain extent, I, I game where I run the events to places I want to visit. <laughs> yeah, naturally. <laughs> yeah, and also there's just ha events happening all over the world, like you said, um, yeah, and and exactly. like like it's like little seeds, right? You cross pollinate, like you mentioned in your story of like this guy wanted to do that, and then that guy, and and so it just grows from there. The business grows. Definitely, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for sharing you know what you do and kind of opening our eyes to learning more about events and just like just that lifestyle that you that you get to have. No, fine. It's been a real pleasure. I'd love to talk to you again and uh, I should get you on my podcast at some point thank you Dan great insights check out his podcast and his ticketing software if you're into the event space most entrepreneurs are so thank you for listening today and please remember to subscribe share and post that fab review over on iTunes so I can say thank you and can read your review on the podcast I'm so grateful for all your kind words and your encouragement I really can't wait for the next few weeks too, guys. We have some amazing guests lined up. I hope you have an awesome week. Bye for now. Talk to you soon. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? EventsFrame Event Ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result, you sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com 